Welcome to the Lost Boys the Found Fathers podcast. I'm Gabe O'Sullivan, and joining me is my co-host and friend, Will Haycox. We are men who have suffered the loss of a child, and through this production, we desire to offer encouragement, strength, and hope to our fellow brothers who have traveled the same journey. Uh, thank you for joining us today. Uh, this is going to be part two, where we are discussing God's sovereignty. And so if you hadn't listened to part one, which was released a couple weeks ago, I would say go back and make sure that you check that out. So, mm-hmm. Will, I'm going to throw it over to you, man, let you kind of keep rolling with this discussion. Cool. Thanks, man. Yeah, thanks, guys, for listening. Like Gabe said, we started a, a series last time on uh, God's sovereignty and kind of what we did last time was more just like an intro episode to the series. So, like he said, go back and listen to it. If our calculations are correct, it should be episode 53. My calculations and, are correct. Uh, yes. When this thing gets up to 88 miles per hour, you're going to see some serious. <laughs> so, yes. Uh, there's Gabe with his uh, movie references 80s again. throwback yes. movie references. Um, so, yes, go watch that movie. We can recommend it. That's there a family-friendly movie that for is. probably pretty, like PG. So it's probably yeah, pretty much pretty good. Yeah, there's PG some parts you should know that you're going to need to mute Yeah, and tell your kids to hide their eyes at the very end Yeah, when Biff and the, mm. his mom are in the car. Mm-hmm. Other than that, yeah, you're, yeah. you're pretty good. But, yeah, pretty good stuff. So... Yeah, so last episode we talked about, we just introduced God's sovereignty. We introduced why his sovereignty should be comforting to us. And we talked a little bit about God's will and and what his will is for our life in the sense that, um, you know, his will gives us purpose. And, you know, we just kind of answer, we open with the question, like, does God will or allow bad things to happen, specifically the loss of a child? So we said yes. And so that's kind of what we wanted to talk about this time was what... What does God's will mean, and are there different parts of God's will? You know, we just wanted to give uh, a short explanation of that. So, yeah, the question is, does God really will death, suffering, or bad things? And, you know, like I did, um, like I talked about last time, I want to, uh, you know, we're not theologians, so we want to share some information from a theologian here. Um, I've, you've probably heard me quote a few times in this podcast, if you've listened all the way up to this point, uh, Dr. R.C. Sproul and uh, I, he's he's dead now, but I really respect his wisdom, his um, his dedication to the word, and his ministry, uh, Ligonier Ministries, that shared f- truth and uh, encouragement with so many people. So I recommend checking out Ligonier. But he said, uh, this is all a quote from him. He starts by quoting Deuteronomy twenty nine twenty nine, which says, "The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever." that we may do all the words of this law. And then R.C. says, This passage indicates that the Lord has two wills, one hidden and one revealed. God's hidden will includes all that he has ordained. His will of decree, which is another word for hidden will, establishes every event in history, every thought and intention of every person, everything that ever happens. This will extends even to the ordination of evil. For the Lord works out everything according to the counsel of his will. Importantly, not everything that God ordains in his hidden will is in itself pleasing to him. And then R.C. goes on to say, God's revealed will is also known as his will of precept or preceptive will. And this will tells us what the Lord finds pleasing. Chiefly, the revealed will of God is his moral law. So you can, this is me jumping out of the quote you can think of 10 commandments you can think of you know the things that we're prescribed to be the fruit of the spirit in the new testament and then the last uh sentence of that quote says when scripture calls us to do the will of the lord it is this will the revealed will that is in view so 
R.C.'s quote there says it better than I could say it, that, that God has a hidden will and a revealed will, and his, uh, his hidden will is the one that ordains or allows uh, or you know, decrees and establishes everything that has ever happened in the history of the universe. And so the answer to the question, does God really will death, suffering, or bad things, has to be yes. So like it, the quote says here, just because God wills something or allows it to happen, it doesn't mean that he likes it or approves of it. And he sometimes wills things to happen by letting humans deal with the consequences, the choices through the free will, which he also loved us enough to give us. Man, so, I, I want to say, too, that makes me think about, like, um, two things. One... It's easy to say or to think, like, if something bad happens, oh, mm-hmm. well, God God just, he like, he didn't see that coming, mm-hmm. right? Like, people mm-hmm. might think that because mm-hmm. God's good and he only wants good stuff to happen to you. So if something bad happens in your life, it's because God wasn't paying attention that day mm-hmm. or whatever, mm-hmm. some thing that somebody might say, mm-hmm. right? Or, you know, he set the earth in motion and just let it ride, mm-hmm. you know, and, like, he just lets the ball keep rolling and he's not in control of what's happened. But that obviously can't be true or it negates this this quote and it also would negate God's sovereignty because sovereignty means he's in control of all and two it made me think about like with my children mm-hmm. like the worst thing about being a parent is having to discipline a child mm-hmm. because all you want to do is give them good things and have them snuggle in your arms right and give them blessings and good stuff but we can't like we have to also teach them right from wrong and that means that there's discipline involved that could be a spanking or that could be putting them in you know setting them down for time out or you know taking something from them um that generally causes them joy and you're going to take it from them for a time period to teach them a lesson and, and they have to kind of suffer for not having that item or the food or whatever the case may be mm-hmm. and that's awful as mm-hmm. a parent right mm-hmm. And so it's like, I don't want to do those things, mm-hmm. but that's, man, that's part of being a parent, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think about that with, with like you said, with God, just because he ordains it doesn't mean that he likes it. Mm-hmm. And man, I've never really thought about that. Mm-hmm. I also zoned out last mm-hmm. time we read this quote. Mm-hmm. So thank you for bringing this up, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I love RC. If you're, uh, if you are a, a believer or uh, someone that's, just seeking the Lord and wanting to know more about Him, I could not recommend Ligonier more. Um, there's Ligonier app is L I G O N I E R uh, or Ligonier.org. It's uh, RC is a definitely someone the Lord blessed us with his his wisdom and his ability to communicate and to teach very well. It's not if you're a person that doesn't like um, sermons or you know you feel like you get lost in sermons or whatever. Uh, RC delivers incredible sermon material in a very teachable way um, so it's it's very easy very accessible now is this the same but, guy that made the cola probably yeah yeah <laughs> no. uh, yeah he probably wasn't quite old enough. maybe it was his dad maybe we'd get a sponsorship for this yeah. ad that would be nice yes RC Cola and some moon pies I was gonna say yeah I was gonna say like RC probably doesn't have any money to sponsors cause like who I've never seen one drink at RC but they're still in vending dude, machines so yeah, like bro. somewhere there's some money there's some dude out there making RC in his garage or something I don't Man. know hey down south uh, bro it's, I mean it's good decent line, yeah. like it's some it's still getting mm-hmm. sold that's RC right. and moon pie like you said I don't know why what that was but yeah my family was the same way RC and moon pie that's the thing yeah 
Yeah. So yes, we'll if if RC Cola or if anyone working we'll with Moon we'll Pies, yeah, is is on this uh, episode here, then reach out to us. We'd love to sponsor you uh, pretty much for every episode. Because, we'd love them uh, to sponsor yeah, us. Yeah, we love them to sponsor us. Yes, yeah, clarify so that there we go. have no money to sponsor you, RC Cola. <laughs> That's right. But yeah, so back to what we were talking about. Sorry. Um, no, you're good. Um, I think you know I'm a history major. I've probably mentioned that a few times on this podcast, and. So I love history. I love to think about, you know, all the the cool things and, you know, maybe learn about the not so cool things in history and, you know, just kind of explore that. What does that mean? You know, what what was the Roman Empire like? What were, you know, the Vikings like in, in the early, you know, hundred, you know, late eight, nine hundred, ten hundred, uh, ten hundred, the thousands and, and all that in the medieval times. And then, you know, just all these different things, you know, what was that like? But there was a lot of you know, pain and hardship, and there was a lot of things that happened that weren't good. A lot of people that died, and you know, thinking about that, you know, why would a good God allow, you know, whatever the Crusades to happen in His name? And so I think, you know, a lot of people, and, and probably admittedly people who already have an axe to grind with Christianity, and just want to use an excuse to, you know, to, to beat it into the ground. But a lot of people like to bring up, you know, how can religion be good? Because so many people have been killed in the name of religion, you know, whether it's Jews or whether it's Muslims or whether it's, you know, whatever faith. You know, so many people who claim to believe in God have done horrible things. And I think the only real answer we can give to that is, you know, God, like we said, loves us enough to give us free will. And with free will comes the ability to do anything that we want to do, good or bad. And, you know, if God didn't love us, I think we've talked about this in a, in a different episode. Now that I'm saying it, it sounds familiar. I, I can't tell you which episode. But, you know, if God didn't love us enough to give us free will, he wouldn't have done it. You know, like you talked about your kids a second ago. If you don't love your children and all you care about is, you know, what's easy for you, what's convenient for you, uh, what makes your life better, then you might lock your parent, your, lock your kids in a room and say like all right as a dad i'm going to give them food i'm going to tell them to go to to school and i'm gonna give them a bed to sleep in and when they come home i've got things i want to do and i'm gonna hang out with my wife i'm gonna go cut the grass i'm gonna go drink a beer and watch football so they need to go to their room i don't want to hear them i don't want to see them if they want to go hang out with their friends sorry that's inconvenient for me go to your room and so like you're taking away their free will to do something outside the room they can still do what they want in their room but you're taking away freedom from them to make things easier for you. And so I think we could say with with decent amount of certainty, if you love your kids as they grow older and become more capable of, of doing certain things for themselves and you know growing into new responsibilities and all that, if you love them, you give them more freedom, you know, and your your kids whatever, you know, they want to dress themselves. And if you, if it's inconvenient for you to let them dress themselves because they might wear something crazy and go to school, then maybe you don't do that. But if you want to give them the freedom to do it, that might mean that one day they go to, ch- to school or to church wearing, I don't know, you know, polka dot shirt and striped pants or something. And like, they look like a fool, but they're six years old. They don't care. They want to wear what they want to wear. You know, they want to wear pajamas to church or something. And so like, that's a silly example, but you know the reason a great a great portion of the reason for a lot of suffering 
in our world is that God loved us enough to give us free will and humans choose to use that free will in ways that hurt people. Mm. And, you know, history proves that over and over and over again that you know, we could look at the, the closest thing. It's, I was going to say in, in our lifetime, in our modern era, I guess it's been, what, 80 years now. But since World War II, you know, we had Hitler, we had you know, the atrocities that happened, even though Russia was on our side, we had the atrocities that happened in Russia and all the people that died and starved mm-hmm. under Stalin. But, you know, the Holocaust under Hitler was probably the worst thing that's happened <clears throat> in, in modern times, at least the most publicized. And, you know, that happened because God gave Hitler and all the people in Germany free will. And the people in Germany could have stood up and said, like, no, we don't like this Nazi ideology. Even before, you know, in the in the late 1920s and early 30s, when Hitler was gaining power and rising up to be chancellor and, and all these different things, people, if they were paying attention, he wrote Mein Kampf. So, like, he had it out there, kind of what he was thinking. They could have risen up and said, like, no, we're not going to tolerate this. We don't like where this is going. We have friends who are Jews. We're going to kick these people out of our country. You know, we're going to go back to the other leadership and we're not going to allow Nazis to be in charge. And the Holocaust couldn't, would not have happened. But, you know, people either intentionally chose to join the Nazis or they chose to be quiet and to, you know, go along, to get along and all that stuff. And the people's free will led to the events happening that created the Holocaust and created World War II. And, you know, same thing, not bashing on Germany. There's a lot of, a lot of horrible things that happen in probably every country in the world because some people chose to do something wrong or chose not to do something right. So, And I yeah. think kind of going even back to what we talked about in previous episode of like when we see, like you said, that free will has allowed so much mm-hmm. sin and so much awful stuff you mm-hmm. know, in the world. But also, you know, that free will has also led to so many people like mm. turning from their lives of mm. selfishness and sinfulness and evil mm-hmm. they're turning away from that and turning to the Lord mm-hmm. and then allowing him to renew and redeem their lives and mm-hmm. then them doing amazing things for the Lord and for humanity mm-hmm. in his name mm-hmm. uh, because of their free will too right mm-hmm. so we like you said earlier like folks, like to have some, you know, some like, uh, you know, fit to pitch, you know, about Christianity, like you Mm -hmm. said, about the, um, whatever the case may be about, you know, stuff that's happened bad in the church or the Mm -hmm. crusades or whatever. But then we all, we don't really usually hear those folks also say, well, Hey, what about mother Teresa? Mm -hmm. Right. And all the amazing things she did. What about, Mm -hmm. you know, Billy Graham crusades? What about, Mm -hmm you know, um, Samaritan's Purse that's mm-hmm. in Turkey and Syria right yeah. now meeting mm-hmm. needs and, and supplying food, mm-hmm. shelter, water, you know, helping all efforts. the nonprofits that are, you know, yeah. exist even here Million, in Spartanburg, yeah. you know, right. you've got nonprofits that are helping homeless people and helping poor people and Children, giving people housing right. and yeah. Yep. So mm-hmm. that's right. So it's like, we have to remember that that's part of God's sovereignty too, mm-hmm. you know, is that mm-hmm. there's the good and the bad, mm-hmm. right. And that, uh, and that free will plays a big part in that. And again, that is a gift because we could have, it would not be, as you said earlier, it would not be loving, I don't think, to make us automatons. Mm-hmm. But it is loving yep. that we have the ability to choose 
Because if I can't choose whether I love a person, what is that? Mm-hmm. Right. But the fact that I get to choose shows that that person really loves me and cares mm-hmm. about me because they're giving me that choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, perfect example is your kids. You know, if you're, if you're forcing your kids every single night to like, tell me you love me, give me a kiss, you know, give me a hug. That's what you have to do before you go to bed every single night. Like you might have to do that when they're three or four and they run around being crazy. Like, <laughs> like our yeah. daughter's now uh, like two and not quite a half. And uh, so, like, every time you take her clothes off to get her ready for a bath or get her ready to, to change into her pajamas, she just runs around crazy. Like, it's just, like, something about being naked for a toddler. It's just like, I'm naked, I'm free. And she they just run free the room. Bird. Yeah, and just, like, running around the room. Like, okay, now it's time to do anything I want to do but go to bed. So, like, yeah, in that, in that age group, you might have to be like, all right, it's time to calm down. Give me a kiss. We're going to bed. Yeah. But, like, you carry that out until they're – they're eight and 10 and 12 and 16 and all that. Like you can't at a certain point, they're not going to, like you said, appreciate that relationship with you. They're not going to love you. They're going to give you that kiss and give you that hug to be done with it Mm. and go do the thing they want to do. And so it becomes very routine. It becomes fake. Mm. And you know, God doesn't want that Uh, clearly from the Bible. He doesn't want a relationship. It says in the Bible, you know, he doesn't want empty offerings. He wants your heart. And so he doesn't want us to just be like, God, I love you. Thanks for all you're doing. You're like the whole, uh, I don't even remember it, but the saying grace, you know, what is it? This like, uh, I don't know what it is, but it's just like that little like rhyming thing that talks about like, thanks for our bread and whatever. Thanks for this day. Something, something, something. I don't, shouldn't have brought it up. I didn't know it. Yeah, but like, it's one of those like little quick. Yeah, ABC, one, two, three, thank you, God, for feeding me. Yeah, like <laughs> if that's like how that. you prayed, yeah. like do you really love – are you showing that you love God? Are you showing that you care about God? Or are you showing that like, hey, grandma or great-grandma taught me to do this when I was four years old, and that's what I've done every time. Like I don't really know that that, that honors God to just say some little thing over and over again. So, yeah, all, all back to the same thing that God loved us enough to give us free will. And that's why some bad things happen in our world. So also, like, God wills bad things because he's, we know God wills bad things to happen because he's sovereign over all things. And you know, to borrow the phrase from R.C. Sproul again, that if there's one maverick molecule in the universe, then God is not God. And I love that quote because mm. maverick is just such a fun word. But basically, and a, and a if there's... Movie. Yes, it is a great movie. Shout out to Top Gun so, too. Yes. Maverick. So if... Uh, if that, that means, you know, if there's one thing and a maverick, I don't have, have a dictionary in front of me, but maverick means like free, you know, like uh, untamed or wild or, you know, uncontrolled thing. So if there's one thing in the universe that's outside of God's will, and that doesn't have to be like one person or one being or, you know, the wind is outside of God's control, but the sunlight is in his control. Like it doesn't have to be something major. Like it means like if there's one speck of dust that is outside of God's control, then he could not be a sovereign God because that one thing, that one speck of dust could get in somebody's eye at a time that God was planning for them to be able to look at, you know, there's one plane pilot who was planning, God was planning to have land and he's got 200 people in his plane. He was going to land. Everybody was going to be safe. And somehow that speck of dust was on the plane and it got in the pilot's eye and he couldn't and he crashed the plane and everybody died. Like, if that happened outside of God's will, then God isn't sovereign. And that one thing could theor- theoretically mess up his plan. He wouldn't be all powerful. So we know that God ordains everything 
because nothing can happen in the world without him allowing it to come to pass. But again, this doesn't mean that he blesses or approves of everything. So uh, we've got some several points here, but I'll, I'll probably get over one or two of them and then we'll, we'll uh, break for this episode. But we want to just provide some proof from the Bible for all this and, and not just have this be Will and Gabe telling you a lot about God that you can't verify. But first, we want to go to Isaiah 45, 1 through 7. And I tried, you know, I know earlier in this podcast, I like to quote a lot and it got to be like page long quotes that I was reading. So I tried to take some verses out of this to make it shorter. But I think every verse in this little passage is just incredible and gets the point across so bear with me here as i read and this is god speaking of how he's going to bring a pagan king cyrus who's not a follower of him in order to free the jews from captivity by the babylonians so these verses say thus says the lord to his anointed to cyrus whose right hand i have grasped to subdue nations before him and to loose the belts of kings to open doors before him that gates may not be closed I will go before you and level the exalted places. I will break in pieces the doors of bronze and cut through the bars of iron. I will give you the treasures of darkness and the hordes and secret places that you may know that it is I, the Lord, the God of Israel, who call you by your name. For the sake of my servant Jacob and Israel, my chosen, I call you by your name. I name you, though you do not know me. I am the Lord, and there is no other. Besides me, there is no God. I equip you, though you do not know me, that people may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none besides me. I am the Lord, and there is no other. I form light and create darkness. I make well-being and create calamity. I am the Lord who does all these things. So there's so many different things there uh, that I could, probably should have highlighted before we started, but as I'm reading it here, I wanted to highlight and come back to, but we just see... You know, throughout this passage, we see, you know, in the first verse, God says that Cyrus is his anointed. So he's someone that he's chosen. Um, talks about grasping his right hand, subduing nations before him. So God's <clears throat> going ahead of Cyrus and preparing his way, preparing his path in this war. And he's promising to give him victory. And you know, then he says, and in verse 4, you know, for the sake of my servant Jacob and Israel, my chosen, I call you Cyrus. And he says, again, I name you, though you do not know me. And then he says again, you know, I'm the Lord. There is no other besides me. There is no God. I equip you, though you do not know me. And then verse 6, 6 and 7 are both just amazing here. So he says he's doing all this. He's, he's bringing this pagan king up giving him power giving him the, the success that he's going to have in building his own empire and he says he does it that people may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none besides me i am the lord and there is no other so like you know that's just incredible that god raised up this king you know i don't know a whole lot about cyrus other than he's a biblical character but you know, we know he's not a Christian, or he's not a, a believer or a follower of God, and he probably doesn't even, you know, he says, God says here, you know, I name you though you do not know me. So he doesn't even know who God is or that God exists, mm. but God has ordained him. God has given him a path and a purpose and a plan. And, you know, that's what it says here is it's for the sake of Israel, 
and it's for the sake of God's glory and that people may know <clears throat> that there's no God beside him. It's, it's just amazing to me <clears throat> every time I read this passage that God raises up and gives power to a pagan king to protect his people and to bring glory to himself. And I think, you know, there's one thing at the end of that passage that I wanted to, to camp on to that, that directly speaks to this God, God being sovereign over evil. And he says in verse 7, <clears throat> I form light and create darkness. I make well-being and create calamity. And, you know, I think, you know, it's easy for us to think, you know, light is good, darkness is bad. Humans are, from the beginning of, of time, or at least from the beginning of recorded history, humans exist in light places. Like they build communities so that they can build fire at night, feel safe, and the darkness is bad. You don't know, you know, even today, we don't know what's in the dark. We don't like the dark. You know, it scares us. Um makes us feel uncomfortable, makes us feel vulnerable. And so it's easy to say, like, God is a God of light. God is a God that, you know, shines light in the darkness and lets us see everything, reveals everything. But also this says, you know, I form light and create darkness. So God creates the thing that we think of as is evil or as a lack of light or lack of good. Um, God is sovereign over that and creates it in places where there is darkness. God has placed it there and he's placed the light in places that he wants the light. And then the, the next phrase there, I make well-being and create calamity. I use ESV and I don't, I didn't pull up another translation of this, but I think that sometimes that translation say I make good and I create evil. And I know in verse seven, I did look up that, the Hebrew word for calamity there is the word ra and R-A-H. I don't know if, it, if that's the correct pronunciation or not, but that word means evil. And this is the same word used in Genesis 2.9 and Genesis 2.17 to refer the, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Hmm. So it is the word for evil. And so it says, I make good and I create evil. So God creates and uh, is in charge of and is the one who's sovereign over things that are evil as well. And again, like we already talked about, you know, he does that in a way that, you know, it, it fits in with his plan for the earth. It fits in with, you know, giving us free will. And it also fits in with, you know, natural disasters or whatever it is. You know, those aren't things that just happen like you said earlier, Gabe. It's not like this is outside of God's control he created the world and then he stepped back and like, oh, there was some flaw in the way God created our atmosphere that caused tornadoes to happen and people to die. Like he's sovereign over all of that. And I'll, I'll get uh, one other example here in, the, in this episode and then we'll move on. Um, in First Samuel eighteen ten through 11, the verse says, the next day an evil spirit from God came forcefully on Saul. He was prophesying in his house while David was playing the lyre as he usually did. Saul had a spear in his hand and he hurled it saying to himself, I'll pin David to the wall, but David eluded him twice. So the backstory there, Saul's king, uh, David has been anointed king. I don't remember if Saul knows that at this point. I don't think he does, but he's seeing David getting a lot of favor. He was winning battles, and he was just getting a lot of favor with people, and he saw David as a 
uh, as a threat to his kingdom. So you know he already harbors hatred for David, and you know God sent this evil spirit to go and to influence Saul to bring his his kingdom to an end, to bring his reign to an end, because he didn't honor God in you know, the very beginning of his time as king. He offered uh, incorrect sacrifice uh, where he was supposed to wait on the prophet Samuel, and he chose to offer sacrifices in a way that, that dishonored God. And so even this evil spirit is under God's control, and you know God's not trying to build Saul up, but this evil spirit comes and ruins things. So I'm not going to quote verses for all these, but you can look in the Bible that God used the empires of Egypt, the Assyrian Empire, Babylonian Empire, the Persian Empire at different times to bring about his will to uh, either punish his people or to redeem his people in, in both ways. You know, when he was punishing his people, it was for the rebellion against him. And when he was redeeming them, it was because he loved them and he had mercy on them and he wanted to show his love and his mercy and his redemptive spirit. And so he's used both of these things. You know, he's used all these empires to bring about his punishment and to bring about the redemption of his people because God was sovereign over evil and he can use even things like like battle and and death and um, you know, people being wiped out by one empire being wiped out by another for his glory and so ultimately he's sovereign over evil and he can use it to accomplish and bring about his good purposes and you know not to get too far down that track we're coming up on 30 minutes here but you know, a modern day example can be, you know, any, I'm trying to think of like a, an extreme modern day example, and maybe you can jump in here with one, Gabe, but, you know, I could think of, you know, like uh, if you've ever read um, about Jim Elliott and the other missionaries that were, this was in like the early 1950s or mid-1950s, um, they went down to Ecuador. There were five men and their wives went to Ecuador to be missionaries to an Indian tribe that uh, was isolated, was known as being incredibly uh, hostile to everyone around them. And these men and their wives felt called to go down and be missionaries to these Indian people. And they basically tried for several months or years to map the area and get in touch with them and you know bring them the gospel. And they obviously couldn't speak their language and all that. So they finally made contact a few times through a plane and some pretty cool ways that they actually you know, got in contact with them. So they landed one day and they're on a beach and uh, we're trying to make contact with these people. And through some what, what later turned out to be known as, I guess, some miscommunication or just some bad choices by the, the, the Indian tribe, they came out and they speared these men to death, killed all five of them. And... Um, it's a pretty, I don't want to tell the whole story because we don't have time and because it's an incredible story that you should go and read uh, the book. You can just search Jim Elliott and that story and you can find it. But basically the the men, the white men, the missionaries had guns with them and could have defended themselves against these, these, tri these tribal people. But because of their love for them and because they're faith that God had them there as missionaries to bring these people to Christ, they didn't use them and that they were planning apparently in their journals that if they had to use them, they're just going to shoot down in the ground and scare the tribes away. And so they sacrificed their lives and, and their wives were all widows for the gospel. And then 
the good that came out of that was a couple of the wives stayed at Ecuador and continued ministering to these tribes. And later on, the tribes became Christians or a significant portion of the people in the tribe opened up and heard the gospel and became believers. And later on, one of the women stayed and, and lived with that tribe for a significant portion of her life. Her kids were raised in that tribe and they came to be you know, family members. And there's another book written by someone else. Uh, I think it's uh, Steve Saint or Nick Saint, I think maybe is his son, um, that he took his family. He grew up in Ecuador in those jungles, went back to America, and then he felt a call to go back. And he took his family down there. And so they got to meet a man who killed their grandfather and killed this guy's father, who later, through the the love of Christ and the redemption uh, and the healing of Christ became like a father or grandfather figure to the son of the missionary that he had killed years earlier. And, you know, if you're, if you're a believer, if you ever heard the name Jim Elliott and, and these other uh, five guys that were, or the other four guys that were with him, God used the senseless murder of these five men to really create a revival and mission work in the whole world, definitely in the Western world. And I think I've heard somewhere that like there's over a hundred thousand missionaries that have said that the the death of Jim Elliot and his crew inspired them in some way to get into the mission field. So like Jim Elliot and his guys <clears throat> went on the mission field, had all these these hopes and dreams and prayers, and they got killed before they ever converted a single person from this tribe. And you know maybe they thought as they were dying, you know, what was the point of this? But looking back now, whether they can see it in heaven or whether they, you know, learn about it, you know, where we just get to, to see it here, their faithfulness to do what they were called to do led to them being exposed to and killed by an evil act. And God used that to bring countless people to him in that tribe and throughout the whole world. So, you know, God has demonstrated his sovereignty over evil. He allows it to happen but he's not controlled by it. You know, he controls it. And, you know, you can have hope and faith that, you know, God is good. God is going to use whatever circumstances you're in now for your good and for his glory. And all you need to do is trust that and, you know, build a relationship with him, pray to him and, and read the Bible. And uh, that's where your hope can be found. Man, that's good stuff. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. That was certain, certainly encouraging to me to hear that and be reminded of that. That, like you said, God is in control, right? Yeah. What the enemy means for evil, God's going to use it for good. Mm-hmm. And God even has the opportunity to use evil for His good, which mm-hmm. is kind of mind blowing. But as, mm-hmm. as we learn from the scripture and from what you just shared, that's the way it works because He's in control, and that can mm-hmm. give us hope if we are found in Him. You know. Mm-hmm. So, thank you guys for joining us today. Uh, again, this is Lost Boys of Found Fathers. Check us out on uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And certainly we have an email as well if you have any questions or topics you'd like for us to discuss. That's lostboystofoundfathers at gmail.com. Um, you can look for my books. That will be done. And Every Little Thing, Six Small Steps to Perfect Peace. Those two different books can be found on Amazon. And the newest one, Every Little Thing, is also available on Apple and on barnesandnoble.com. Again, thanks for joining us today. Let's not be lost. Let's be found in him.